Hey friends, what messages did you receive about emotions when you were growing up? Good, bad, stifled? Did the church even help with that? Our guest today says that if you don't deal with your emotional issues, your family, friends, co-workers will be forced to, and he points us toward the path to healing. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 321, Noble Givens and Emotional Healing for Growth. All right. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. I know, I know, I say thank you for downloading every episode. Those of you who are faithful listeners know that, but believe me, it's it's right now we're recording this in November. I am thankful. I'm so glad that you have found it. I don't believe in coincidences, so I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. If you want to support the show, there's two things you can do. If you want to do it for free, just tell a friend about this episode and say, Hey, you got to check out halfway there. It's, it's my favorite podcast uh, or wherever it ranks in your, in your podcast list, or you can always go to halfway there podcast.com, hit that Patreon button and support the show uh, financially. Some of you do that and I really do appreciate it. So thank you very much. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get into our conversation because I know that it's going to be a great one and it's going to be full of energy. Our guest, he's got, he's got a long list of accomplishments and uh, I love that, but so some things you got to know, right? He's a West Point grad, former army ranger in the 82nd airborne. So you know, some things about those, about the kind of, person who, who succeeds in those environments, right? But now he's an EQ practitioner, which is what made me really interested in, in hearing his story. How do you go from one to the other? He teaches emotional intelligence and uh, he has uh, memberships and things like that. So we'll hear all about it. Our guest is Noble Gibbons. Noble, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you so much, brother. I'm super stoked, man. You know, I give kind of these, the sort of broad sweeping, we'll dig into your story, but give me just right now, where you are, what God has you doing right at the moment. So right now doing executive coaching with a number of big giant corporate clients, which is pure comedy all by itself. The fact that an emotionally clueless dude is, is teaching big leaders and executives from multi-billion dollar companies, emotional intelligence is that's how I know it's, it's from God. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Wow. I'm convinced a lot of the people who get to that level, they don't get there necessarily because of emotional intelligence, right? Like they, they are running over people and, you know, things like that. Not all right. of them. They're, they're good, good CEOs. But yeah, do you find that to be true? So the majority of the leaders that I work with are lacking self-awareness. There, there's an yeah. exception sometimes, but what I have found is in the past three years of, I've been coaching for two decades, but the last few years, specifically in the area of emotional intelligence and leadership, um, a number of leaders are lacking self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which takes, that's one part of emotional intelligence, right? That's is, right. Um, is personal awareness. Yeah. Interesting. Well, okay. I want to hear all about that. I want to talk a lot about emotional intelligence, but what we do here is we hear your story. And so you didn't get here. I love in your bio, I didn't read it, but it says, don't let the big beard and tattoos fool you. Right? Like, so you, you, those come from somewhere. And so I'm sure there's a story there. I want to hear all of that. So where'd you grow up and, and what was that like for you? So Eric, I was born at an early age. You, okay. I get it. 
I was waiting for you to just keep going. And I was like, oh, okay. Sorry, that's a bad dad joke, man. Okay. So, <laughs> so grew up in, in Oklahoma. My dad was an ER doctor. My mom was a four foot 10 little Hispanic lady. So I, I popped out looking like my dad, but my mom actually raised me speaking Spanish. So I, I speak Spanish. Okay. And, uh, and so what happened was my mom, the way we handled conflict in our house is as early as I can remember, we would yell and scream at each other. And then whoever yelled the loudest won that particular conflict, we'd stomp off into our respective corner of the house, come back an hour later and literally act like nothing happened. So I learned very, very early on how to stuff and avoid my emotions. And I also learned how to avoid conflict completely. And I also learned zero conflict resolution skills. So some of the consequences from not getting your there's a there there's there can be a whole cacophony of consequences when we don't get our emotions validated by our our parents by those who who raised us and for me it turned into a a truckload of people pleasing addiction and food addiction and uh self hatred self sabotage uh all, all kinds of, of of negative things and then I go to West Point. And of course, we're not learning about feelings and emotions there. And then, uh, <laughs> I, then you're doing something very different, right? Wait, okay. But before ahead. we get into West Point, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. So was it a Christian family or was it, or was it? Oh not? yeah. No. It, uh, so <laughs> that's a whole other. Okay. So, and where were you? Yeah. Oh, so born in Oklahoma and grew up in Illinois. Okay. So, right. so my, so when early, my, my first handful of years uh, raised Catholic and then let's see when i was like when i was 10 we we changed churches and we went to an evangelical mennonite church uh which was okay. super, super interesting going from a catholic church to an evangelical mennonite church and then very different <laughs> yeah, just a little bit that's right and <laughs> and then let's see and and then from there once i got into high school we we hit all kinds of did the baskin robbins 31 flavors of of churches and Went to a Christian Missionary okay. Alliance. Went to an Assembly of God. Went to a Pentecostal. Went to so, like a lot. Yeah. So, what was your experience in all that? Because it, that has an effect on who you think God is. What was that like? So somehow, so so I and I I think I I know what happened, but somehow I developed a hardcore performance based relationship with the Lord. And I, I was like a modern day Pharisee or Sadducee, and 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 man, I was I was walking the 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 the, the tight wire, uh, for, again, just doing some great performance. I, I spent thousands of hours in God's Word, memorized a truckload of the New Testament. I was I was on a Bible quiz team, and so just just learned a lot of stuff there. But yeah. the reality is, my 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 understanding of God at the time was, was very, I knew that God was happy with me as long as I was performing and obeying. And he was upset mm -hmm. with me when I was not performing and not obeying. And so it, it was just a, a very perverted view and understanding of, of who God is in my relationship with the Lord. I can see that, especially moving around between churches, right? There's sort of this idea that, okay, well, I got to show that I'm actually a real Christian. and. Well, and do the things right, right? And, and coming with my people pleasing addiction, which I, of course, mm -hmm. I had no awareness of because my, again, so I had the emotional intelligence of a five-year-old all the way up until four or five years ago. And so 
I, I the, you know, I thought that, okay, I, I, in order to make God happy and all and Christians happy, I had to perform and behave a certain way. And so, and I did very well at that until I, until I couldn't. <laughs> I don't like it, Noble, when you say, when you connect people pleasing and addiction, don't do that. I don't like it. That makes me feel very uncomfortable. Second of all, because <laughs> maybe, maybe as, but I think a lot of people find themselves in that as well, particularly with God, right? In, okay, well, if I just do all the right things, then I will, then God will either be obligated to give me the things that I want, or I will at least not make him mad and he'll make my life miserable or whatever. It's sort of unspoken. I think it's in the back of the minds of a lot of people uh, without us ever really knowing it. What I think, yeah, man, you know, I'm old school guy, right? I'm almost 50. And so, especially back in the days, man, it was very much, and I think I got it from a lot of the churches and stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you, you know, you have to behave a certain way and you have to, you know what I mean? And so, and again, that was, t- that totally activated my, my people pleasing. And so I, I did that. I, I, I was a great, uh, uh, obeyer, but, but, and I thought I would have, at the time I would have told you, oh, Eric, man, my identity is totally in the Lord. That's, you know, my identity is in Christ. And I would have told right. you that, but my behavior was seeking the validation, right. approval, and affirmation of everyone else around me. Okay. Yeah. Which is that, so that's really, what's really interesting about that to me is that it's hard to um, pinpoint, right? It's hard to see, but nobody's going to call you out on that because you're making them happy. I'm performing. I'm obeying. How can you, how can you call me out? I'm, man, I'm, and and, and I would, in true in true self-righteous behavior, like, dude, I, I know I'm holier than you, Eric, right? I, I'm right. a better Christian than you, as if I would have that ability, you know, like, like, it was a really kind of perverted way of understanding, you know, who God is. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so where where did your relationship with God become more than that? So, so I, I, I I genuinely pursued the Lord from eight years old until, until I was, let's see, until I was, until I was 30. Again, with not the most accurate understanding. So it was still a very Mm performance-based, but I was genuinely pursuing my relationship with the Lord during, during that, that, that season, that phase of my life. And then what happened is we joined a, a, my wife and I joined a business cult and became financially independent at age 30 in this business cult and spoke all over the world to th- tens of thousands of people all over the world, again, as a result of all my emotional dysfunction. <clears throat> so we did very well in this very emotionally unhealthy and a very emotionally toxic environment. We, I performed very well, again, because I was emotionally needy, emotionally codependent, toxic positivity. And so, but what happened was, as soon as, soon as we became financially independent at age 30, I went into a deep, deep depression, was, was uh, went through a, all kinds of suicidal ideations and stuff for two years, very, very intensely. And then another decade after that of, of depression. So it was it was a rough, rough season there. Yeah. So during that season, so that's what I like to talk about actually is 
that well, you might call it dark night of the soul. You might call it, we, we, we use the word as a depression, but I think the church historically has called it that when God feels far away. So what was your experience with God during those, during those two years and then the, the subsequent decade? So what happened was it was super fascinating. So once, so once we became financial independent age 30, I was able to work my business even, even harder was working basically seven days a week in my business, speaking again, speaking all over the place, developing leaders and stuff. And woke up one day about after three or four months of of seven days a week and working hard, man, super hard. Again, all in the name of performance. And we were kind of like the poster children of this entire business cult at that time because we're this young retired couple. Now, obviously still self-employed working our business, but didn't have to have a job. <clears throat> and so I said, I told my wife, I'm like, babe, we, we've got to take like the weekend off because I'm I'm smoked out of my brain cells here. I don't even know what what day of the week it is because we were we were running so hard. So we took the weekend off. Well, the weekend of taking the weekend off turned into, oh, I'm just going to take this week off, which turned into, I'm just going to take this month off. Because again, I didn't have to have a job anymore because we were making enough passive income. Well, uh, January of 2005, I believe it was. I, I, so I stopped, I stopped performing. And as soon as mm. I stopped performing, I knew immediately, oh man, God is pissed with me right now. And so, yeah. you know, because of my very inaccurate understanding of my relationship with the Lord, since I stopped performing, I'm like, oh man, I know that, that, my sin separates me from God. I'm separated from God because I'm not obeying and performing and God's mad at me. And so it was this, 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 uh, yeah, feeling this, the feeling of God's mad at me and I am not performing. So therefore he's not happy with me and therefore he doesn't love me. Yeah. Interesting. So you had that performance situation going for a really long time, like a long time. A lot longer than a lot of people. Okay, I cut you off about going to West Point, but what 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 led you to go to go there? It was my junior year, and my mom's like, "Hey, son, what do you want out of your college experience?" And I said, "I want the hardest experience possible. I want the most challenging experience I can possibly have. I want to be challenged wow. academically, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually." And so I'm like, "Yeah." So if I went to a Christian school, yeah, it probably challenged me spiritually. And maybe academically, but it wouldn't challenge me any of the other ways. If I went to some Ivy League school, I'd be challenged academically and mentally, but not any of the other ways. And then I met one of my uh, high school buddies like the, the the week earlier, and his hair was all shaved. I'm like, dude, what's up with your hair, dude? He's like, man, I just I just left this school called West Point uh, because I wanted to pursue my private pilot's license and stuff. So I I left. Uh, I said, well, what what is West Point? He's like, well, they they yell at you. They scream at you. You're, you do a bunch of push-ups and running all the time. I'm like, that sounds amazing. And so I told my mom, I said, hey, mom, I, you know, I'd like to try out this, whatever this thing, West Point is, this service academy. So that that's what led me. And so I got accepted actually to the Naval Academy first and accepted my, my application to the Naval Academy. And then a month later, I got my acceptance from West Point. And I'm like, man, God, what do you want me to do? What direction do I'm going to go? And I'm like, man, do I want to be on a, on a boat for, you know, 12 months out of a year? I'm like, heck no. And so, <laughs> uh, so prayed about it and, and 
turned that one down and decided to go to West Point. So that's how I ended up at West Point. Gotcha. All right. Did you, what was the environment like? So you sounds like you wanted this really challenging environment. I'm curious for you spiritually while you were there, what that was like. Was it really great because you could just perform kind of in all those ways? So, so West Point, what I noticed and the same thing with the army too, it, it either brought you closer to the Lord or it, it blew you up away from the Lord and it took you really far away because it, you know it's a very emotionally intense experience and physically and mentally and you know and and therefore spiritually intense experience and so fortunately for me my I, I was close you know I, I was pursuing the Lord enough that that I was able to find a, a handful of other great brothers in Christ mm-hmm. that that we were able to connect with and they had some great programs up there they had something, a program called Officer Christian Fellowship. And uh, they had Young Life, which is, you know, still still around today. They have a number of different, they had a number of different Christian organizations that we were able to join and participate in and and create some really good relationships with. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, that's good. So you were doing those things, but even some of those kind of college groups can be a little performative. Sure. Uh, at, at the same time, I don't know if you experienced that, but okay. I just wanted to at least talk about that. Cause I wanted to hear what that was like. Okay. So you get into this depression, you stop performing, feel like God is bad at you, mad at you because you're not doing the things. What happens? So, so, and I had left a day, my, my, my day job. So, so I, I, I and we were making a six figure income. And so what, what happened was, I I didn't have to do anything. So I, I literally, I, I turned into like a vegetable mm-hmm. on the couch, didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything except for once a week, we had this business activity where we had to go into this business kind of business seminar and every, once a week to about a hundred people do a business presentation and do some networking and stuff. And so I would put on my little smiley face, completely fake the funk on the nasty dunk that all is all is 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 far out groovy cool, which I was sucking like a Kirby vacuum on the inside, but on the outside, I put on my nice. I, I find that many people, including Christians, are great at our masks and our and our fronts and our facades. And I was I was a as a people pleaser addict, dude. Mm-hmm. I was a pro at at hiding and pretending and faking how I was really doing on the inside. So you, so you were able to do that. So you just faked it through two years of depression. Absolutely. And then a corresponding another decade of depression. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's kind of unbelievable. So did you feel, cause that that's really depleting, I'm guessing. Uh, Very. Yeah. Did you feel like God's presence or did did anything change with you for God? Or was it kind of, you were just like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this. So for those two years, the, the the super, I call it the hell phase, the two years of my hell phase, I I I felt, now I again, I know spiritually this was not the case, but I felt separated from God and that God had, again, bounced, right? He's like, I'm out because, again, you're not performing and you're this big, evil, sinful guy. Mm-hmm. And, and then fortunately, I was open enough, there's this couple who said, Hey, Noble, you know, you seem a little bit off after two years, but I was off for two years, but they said, you seem a little off, you know, would you be willing to sit down with us and let us ask you some questions? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. So we got together and they said, they said, 
dude, you, you love everybody. You know, of course, of course I did as a people pleaser. Right. So yeah, of course I love, and, right. I, and I do, I genuinely love people also. Yeah. Uh, and so they said, you love everybody, but they're like, it doesn't seem like you love yourself. I'm like, well, no, I hate myself. And they're like, okay, wow. That's, that's kind of extreme. And, and they said, well, why, why do you hate yourself? I said, well, cause I'm not, I'm not in, in God's graces right now. And they're like, well, what do you, why do you say that? And I said, well, cause I'm, I'm not performing. I'm not doing like I should be. I'm not obeying like I should be. And they said, well, and at the time we had our daughter, we've got one, one daughter, she's 15 now. And they said, well, Noble, if your daughter disobeys you, do you hate her? And I said, no, I got, I was incredulous. I'm like, of course not. I love my kid. And I th- I don't know if she, I think she may have been four or five at the time. And, and they said, okay, well, well, how, how do you feel about your daughter when she disobeys you or she's, she's sinning or whatever? And I said, I, you know, I, I, I said, I, I still love her. It, her performance has nothing to do with my love for her. And, and, and they said, well, why don't you feel like that's the same way? That's how God feels about you. And, and I was, and it, that image, and I was like, oh my God, like it blew my mind. And I'm like, holy cow. I had, I had no idea. I thought, and what they said was, Noble, so what you're saying is that Jesus Christ dying on this on the cross, it, it covered everybody else's sins, but not your sins. Like you're super you're that special. You're that special <laughs> that that you're the only guy in the universe who God's grace is not strong enough for, really? And I was like, oh crap. I had never thought about that. Yeah. Okay. So there's a really interesting uh, aspect. I've been thinking about this recently uh, because pride actually goes two ways, right? It can look like really puffed up and you've got a lot of great accomplishments. So you could do, you could have had that, or it can look like self-loathing, right? As well. Fascinating. It can look, it's like two sides of the same coin. And so like when you hear it, and so when somebody puts it to you like that, like, oh, well, you're, you know, are you sure you like Jesus doesn't apply to you? Really? Like, oh, wait, then it's like, it's a little humbling, right? Yes, that's exactly right. No, and that's, I thought, I, you're exactly right. I, I thought that, you know, the, I was extra holy because I hated myself even more than you hate yourself, <laughs> yeah. right? It was this, it's totally, <laughs> and in fact, it's funny because this tattoo, I don't know if you have a YouTube channel or if it's just a podcast, but for the podcast listeners, I've got a tattoo on the inside of my right uh, uh, wrist and forearm that's got a cross and then it's got Mm -hmm. the poop emoji on the cross along circled by a recycle symbol. And of course, all the Christians get kind of like, uh, yeah, I love that. (laughs) I love it. Start to get concerned, like noble, like, Hey, what's going on here? And and for me, this is my redemption tattoo that God recycles all my crap. Right. This is my yeah. reminder that noble, your sin is not bigger than God's grace and love and mercy for you. Right. This is my 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 yeah. visual reminder. Remind me, you, you're not that special, noble. Your grace, God's grace, it, it covers you too. Right. Right. Man, I love that. Okay. So what did you learn? You go through this decade or so of just you know, kind of dealing with this self self loathing and figuring this out. What'd you learn about yourself? So God takes us through those seasons or he uses those seasons anyway, 
to take things out of us and to give us new identities. So what was that like? That's great. So two, two other tattoos I've got here on my left forearm uh, as a band, I've got a tattoo that says truth with a capital T not like, Oh, Hey, Eric's got a truth. The noble's got a truth and Susie's got a truth. And we all have our own little Mm -hmm. truth and no one had, there is no such thing as absolute truth. No, no, no. You know, for me, right. God's word is my, is my absolute truth. And so, <clears throat> the God's truth, but also on my right forearm, I've got God's uh, tattoo says grace. So what I learned about myself is that I became the Christian that I used to hate, right? I used to hate those non-performing, mm. disobedient Christians, and God allowed me to become that guy. And, and like, Noble, this is not about you and your works and your performance and your pride and your ego and all that stuff. It's about my truth and grace is sufficient for you. And so, and then the other thing too that I learned. So my other, one of my other tattoos is I've got a skull with a cross in the middle of the skull. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the skull, right? The old has gone, the mm-hmm. new has come. And so I, I had to, what, what, how God really got me through my, my super dark hell phase was, was standing on, even though it was so funny, it was standing on God's word. So I've spent, I've spent thousands of hours, man, in, 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 in the Bible, and thankfully, Joshua 1, 8, and 9, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on a day and night. You be careful to do anything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Fortunately, I had, you know, and then Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is living and active, sharpening any double-edged sword, able to penetrate joint marrow, soul, and spirit. I was, I spent so much time in God's word that through my hell phase, I knew enough capital T truth that that I did not follow through with some of my ideations that I was, that I was having. Uh, uh, so, so that was another thing like, man, thank you, Lord, for, for your word, the power of God's word help, you know, Matthew four, one through 11 is also some of my, one of my favorite passages ever. That was, it wasn't UFC one. It wasn't the first UFC that, that God had, right. The ultimate fighting championship, mixed <laughs> martial arts. Yeah. But it was one of the early ones where Jesus went up against Satan, right? After Jesus had no Taco Bell for 40 days, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. and so three times out of three times, 100% of the time, what move did Jesus use to fight Satan? Three times out of three times in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Jesus said, It is written. So he stood on and verbalized and communicated his own word, right? And John 1 talks about how Jesus is the word and the word was with him, you know, da-da-da. So he got, Jesus used God's word, but how many of us Christians, we have no, we don't know anything in God's word, right? We don't know the first right. clue. So we we show up to a, to a gunfight with a squirt gun and we wonder why we get blasted every single day. Well, it's because we're not, we haven't hidden God's word in our heart. We don't meditate on God's word, right? Anyway, I'm getting all excited. Yeah, no, no, it's good. I I think that's uh, that's good, and I love hearing how that how you apply that principle, right? So, how you were able to stand uh, on God's word even when you were 
you know, had all these other thoughts going on. Um, yeah, because I think that's that's really true. So grace and truth. So you had to really stop putting your faith and trust in your performance and put it in God, who God thought you were and says you were instead. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it, what is it? Uh, man, is it Acts 1-8? It's not by might or my or nor my power, but by my my word, says the Lord, or something like that. And then uh, um my again, my grace is sufficient for you. And it's uh let's see, then then you know, for it's not it's it's by faith, it's not by work. So all these are the verses that I knew. God's like, look, McFly, you, you can't mm-hmm. just yep. you can't just you know handpick the verses that you want to use to beat yourself up. You got to look at the whole of scripture and and who I am in my entirety, not just like you know, not I, I, you know, yep. you know what I mean. Did you have a particular practice that helped you a lot? In, in the hell phase, no, dude. It, it was literally the, the scripture that I had memorized when I was in junior high. Again, thank God that a lot of that scripture would, when I would be be marinating and, and, and obsessing over these very, very dark, evil thoughts, um, there would just be every now and then there would just be a scripture that would pop up in my bean mm-hmm. that that would would counter my jacked up mindset and thought process and and do it enough such that I'm like, well, man, I because I, I I knew that God's word was was real. And and so when I would want to follow through with, again, a very negative action God's word would pop up, and I'm like, "Well, crap! I, I, I can't, I can't." You know, if ultimately I was thinking like, "Well, if I do that, then evil's going to win, Satan's going to win," and I, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm acting like an idiot right now, but I'm not that much of an idiot, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? So, thankfully, God's word popped up at the right times in my dark phases. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, that's so. That's what I was interested in is kind of that season and how God takes you through that. So take us to, like you said, it was a whole decade. So take us through that. Like what else happened and what, how to end. So man, it was, it, and, and I'm, and I'm very much still on this journey, Eric, but it, it was sure. It, it literally, it was re discovering who the Lord, I mean, imagine this, imagine if your whole, your whole life you had been taught or that you thought, the sky was blue, but it was really purple. So, mm-hmm. so you want to talk about messing with your spiritual mojo? Like my God allowed me to like, and I don't want to say like I was like a from a, a Saul to Paul, but it was very similar, right? I had this very yeah. works based, performance based relationship, and then all of a sudden, God's like, "No, McFly, that is not a, 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 an accurate." perspective or understanding of my of who I am as God and my relationship with you. So I I I had to and I'm still relearning what what is a healthy, an emotionally and spiritually healthy relationship with the Lord. In fact, there's this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. He's a pastor out of yeah. New York City. And the tagline of that book says, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And how many how many people in the church are completely emotionally jacked up and and don't know it. And so 
once I, what happened was I yelled at my wife three times in three weeks. And she said three things after 20 years of marriage. And she said, number one, don't ever do that again. Number two, you've never done that before, which means number three, you got more issues than Time Magazine. And so went to counseling and the counselor's like, hey, Noble, I'm going to introduce you to two revolutionary new concepts. Make sure you're sitting down. If you're listening to this, it's called feelings and emotions. And I was like, what <laughs> are you talking about, dude? I wasn't issued feelings and emotions in the army. Why on earth would I need them now? That started me on a big emotional growth journey. And then two years into my emotional fitness program, all these big areas of my life, God started to change around my faith, my marriage, my parenting, my finances, my fitness, my health. I was like, what is going on here? And I told my wife, I'm like, babe, I got to start a podcast sharing with other people my my the junk in my trunk and the lessons learned because I can't be the only emotionally clueless guy out there. There's got to be other nobles out there <laughs> that had this jacked up understanding of who God is and and of their emotions and all that stuff. And so that's, you know, I started that about two and a half, three years ago. And so that's been the journey uh, since then. Yeah. So I want to talk about that and talk about some of the, um, you know, the emotional journey kind of aspects and what you do and how you help people. But I got to ask this because when you said, okay, I go on this emotional journey, but then you describe all the, like ever, like a holistic ver part of description of your life, right? Like every area of, of life, physical and spiritual and all those things. Why does discovering your emotions or accepting your emotions, why does that affect you holistically? Oh man. Yeah. Great question. Cause I, I'm in this, I'm in a men's Bible study and, and we're using this book. Uh, you know, they're, they're using this kind of book as a guide through, through our, our, our Bible study. And what's fascinating, it was written in 1978. It's this old school, old school Bible study. And, and every reference that this, that this Bible study references to feelings and emotions is in a negative context. Which is yep. completely now. That's exactly how I experienced it from the church when when I was growing up. But I know. But I'm like, and, and I told the 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 couple of the pastors that are kind of running the study. I'm like, this is total BS, dude. How how <laughs> how many men take this message like me? Like I took for a couple of decades, two or three, four decades, thinking that my emotions are bad. Oh, emotions are yeah. And I'm like, well, who made them then? If if God made the emotions, I'm pretty sure God didn't make anything bad. So why does the church? I'm like, let's let's go down the list. Jesus wept. Was Jesus in sin when he was weeping? Was what you know when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you want to talk about anxiety? How about anxiety so intense that you're sweating drops of blood, bro? That's intense anxiety. I'm like, was Jesus sinning because the anxiety that he was feeling like to, to equate a, a, a sin yes. because we're, we're feeling emotions, something that God gave us, how, how jacked up and confused does that create, especially men out there? Oh, right. Yeah. And if you probably had a similar experience to what I did or, or, because it was, there was literally never were emotions, particularly for guys, accepted or thought talked of in a positive way. It was always, well, it's not just your feelings. You can't just worry about your feelings. You've got to worry about truth as if the two things were completely opposite. 
but they're not. And so that's where, this is why I want to ask some of these questions because the, the two places I usually end up talking about this is when we talk about self and we talk about emotions, because I do not believe, at least the way I grew up and the way my experience of American evangelicalism is that we, we, every, any discussion of self, you end up being called selfish, right? You've, you've experienced it. Dude, in this, in this guidebook, bro, and each lesson, not even joking, each lesson has 500 Bible verses to check out in each lesson, which is great, yeah. right? That's great. But in one of the, 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 the paragraphs of one of the lessons, it says, nowhere in the Bible does it say to love yourself. And, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then I looked up 10 different Bible verses, love your neighbor <laughs> yep, as, as, yourself. as you love yourself. Now, coming from a, a two or three decades of hating myself, I'm like, oh, see, that I didn't just make this mm -hmm. up, this crazy thought of my own. There are Christians right. that think, and 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 again, I I was one of them. That again, if you oh wait, uh, Eric, were you were you thinking of yourself? Like I could belong, you know, self care. Oh 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 no, that's 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 evil. That's selfish. No, no, you can't. No, no, no. It's, you should not take care of yourself. It's all about, you know what I mean? All this holy, righteous churchism BS. And, 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 and so for me, dude, this is another one. Okay. On my, uh, for those of y'all that are listening, I've got a tattoo on my hand. That's got a, a gift <laughs> like a present, a, a Christmas present with that. It's on fire surrounded in flames. And, and then on my knuckles, I've got 2T1, 6, and 7. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Fan into flame the gift oh, that yeah. God has given you. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power, mm -hmm. love, and a sound mind. I In Matthew 25, 14 to 30, it talks about the, that's the entrepreneur chapter in the Bible the, the entrepreneur goes on a journey and he gives three bags of money to his three employees. One, he gave five grand, another one, two grand, another one grand. My entire life, Eric, I felt like the guy who God gave five grand to, but I was behaving like the one grand guy where I buried my yeah. five grand in the backyard because of my holy hatred of myself and, and how, how good I was at hating myself and my 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 fear of, of others, my fear of you know my people pleasing addiction, and all that stuff, and I'm like, how many Christians, if if we're all that in a bag of sun chips and emotions right. and emotions don't matter, why are there so many emotionally jacked up Christians that have the divorce rate is the same, domestic abuse is the same, uh, 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 name a dysfunction in the world. Christians are the exact same. And you're telling me, right? Jesus, and, and this is going to sound super sacrilegious, you're telling me all you need is to fast and pray and do more church and, and, and Jesus is enough. Well, why are you jacked up then? Why are so many Christians not walking in the promises? And I believe one reason is because an aspect that God created us, which is our emotions, is completely not taught or addressed in the church whatsoever. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think it's because we don't take this holistic view of the human person, right? There, there is this 
the, the, we're missing. That's a piece. I think there are, there are a few others, but we, we absolutely think, and we think that any kind of suffering equals sin, which Jesus is really clear about, but we still believe it anyway, subconsciously. I think we're also, I sometimes call uh, American evangelicals closet Gnostics. You know who the Gnostics were? You know what they did? So second century, uh, Paul in Colossians deals with some of their some of the things that are starting to come out, but uh, they basically were very platonic in the sense that they believe, like Plato, that um, the spiritual was good and the physical was bad. Uh, that's a gross mis you know simplification, but you get the idea. And I think basically American evangelicals, including including me, that's what we grow up in, right? And so we think that we can't we you know only the spiritual activities like going to church or doing the Bible study or whatever. Even though I never did the Bible study that I was supposed to do during the week, I like the conversation on the anyway. That's another, but um, the we would do those things right, but we wouldn't, uh, but we didn't take into account the the rest, the wholeness, of, and the message of the gospel. The beautiful thing isn't that oh we get the spiritual stuff now; it's that we get all the stuff. Boom, right? we get all the Love stuff. It. Isn't That's that, right. Isn't that yeah. right? So. Um, Somebody, I think it was uh, Os Guinness said this to me one time. He said, it's not um, that Jesus over everything is Jesus plus everything. Yes. I Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's exactly right. Because it's like, it's like it, 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 you know, for those Christians that say, man, it's it's all Jesus and nothing else matters. Well, then why do you go to work? Why, why go to work if it's all, if it's just, right. right, if it's just Jesus or do you, do you just eat crap? No, you probably want to take care of your physical body. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should we should treat it accordingly, right? But again, right. many of us don't do that either. But again, it, I love what you said there. It, it's, 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 not, it's not Jesus over everything. It's Jesus plus. Yeah, I love that, dude. Yes, it, you know, God, God did make our physical body. So yes, that's, we should be obeying the Lord and understanding what, what that looks like in our physical bodies as well. And our emotional and our, you know what I mean? Yep. And he took on one that he will have for all of eternity. That's right. Jesus lives in a human body. Wow. Right. So when you, when you start to take that kingdom view, that long view of things, things change. All right. So I could honestly, I could complain about this forever because it makes me kind of crazy. But what I'd love to do is offer our friends something like, how did you, maybe, maybe through your own story, maybe how you, how you help others. How do you, how would you, how did you address that and start to get a lot more holistic and maybe what was your experience of God through that? And, um, and then how do you help others do it as well? No, that's a great question. So this is something that blew my mind. I started to read the Bible when I, when I first went to counseling and uh, four or five years ago, and this, you know, again, turned me on to emotions and stuff. I'm like, what on earth? How can I be in my 40s and be completely emotionally clueless? How can I be an emotional yeah. five-year-old and be physically 45 years old? This is insanity. And it was really, it really got me angry. And so, so then when I would read, so when I start, when I re started to read the Bible after I started going through counseling, I started to circle everywhere in the Bible where there was emotion expressed and it blew my mind for four, for four and a half decades, it was a two dimensional. It was just, Oh, it's, it's, yeah. right? it was totally two dimensional. I can see that. Uh -huh. and, then, and then all of a sudden God opened my eyeballs. So like, no McFly, I created emotions and feelings. And here's the thousands of different 
stories and places in the Bible where emotion is being expressed, but nobody ever talks about it, right? And so, I mean, look, look at you want to talk about an emotionally dysfunctional dude, look at old Ranger David, right? That guy had some serious, <laughs> it's it's like the guy would be in therapy if he was alive today, right? I mean, that guy had let's hope so. <laughs> It was nonstop emotions, right? But I love that. I'm glad God used jacked up people as our examples, right, of, of what that looks like. Okay, so that was one thing. So I went through the Bible. When I read through the Bible, I would circle all the places that expressed emotion, either directly or indirectly. Um, the, the, the next thing is uh, is that, so that I've got this acronym called APED, A-P-E-D, Acknowledge, Permission, Express, and Discuss. So part of a part of our of emotional intelligence which is the ability to acknowledge identify process and manage our own emotions and the emotions of others and it's comprised of kind of four main areas self-awareness self-management social awareness and social management part of that that's that 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 a part acknowledge the ape of the aped is to start growing your emotional vocabulary the brain is a is a is an, a masterpiece filing machine. It is the ultimate Dropbox. It's the ultimate Evernote. It's the ultimate Excel spreadsheet. Right. The brain loves to file and organize, and so when it can't file and organize an emotion, that's what creates stress and anxiety inside of us, whether you're aware of it or you're not. And so, in order for our brain, our mind, heart, and body, literally those three areas absorb emotion our mind, heart, and body, uh, talk about the wholeness and holistic approach that literally emotion, the chemicals that cause each emotional uh, uh, response or feeling, it hits the mind, heart, and body. You have to, if you name it, you can tame it. If you name the emotion, you can tame the emotion. But if you don't know the name of, of the emotion, mm. you can't tame the emotion. And so and so for, for A, acknowledge the emotion. That's step one is write a list of all the emotions that you're feeling about a particular thing. And, and I, you can Google, go to Google and you can Google emotion wheel and there will be an, a, a wheel that will pop up that has all yes. these different emotions. And that's how you can start learning about emotions. The second way is to expand your emotional vocabulary. Listen to a podcast, right? I've got a podcast called EQ Gangster that talks about, now I'm not the only one. There's tons of other ones there, but just start developing your understanding of the aspect of walking with the Lord that God created that is called our emotions. And so, so, so that's A. The P is give yourself permission to feel emotions are not good or bad. A lot of times that's mm. another myth. Oh, I've got good emotions and I don't want to feel these bad emotions, which is another thing that I did. I only let myself feel happy, positive emotions, which again is even how I said that is not totally accurate again, again, because it's, it's pleasant and unpleasant, comfortable and uncomfortable. It's not right, wrong, bad, or good, positive or negative. It's comfortable or uncomfortable because it's data. Emotions are data. There's no such thing as God made some good numbers and he made some bad numbers. It's numbers. God created math. Right. It's not good math and bad math, good emotions and bad emotions. It's just data. Emotions are just data, the information. And what God intended is not for emotions to ever control us. And it's not about emo our emotions and feelings controlling us. It's, it's, it's growing our emotional health and emotional intelligence so that they don't control us. Because they could right. they control us a lot more than people think they do because we don't have words for it. We don't have an awareness of how they're controlling and impacting our lives. So P is permission to feel. Give yourself permission to feel. 
each of those emotions. It physiologically takes the body 60 to 90 seconds to feel an emotion. So set your watch alarm, set your phone alarm. Maybe you're feeling rejected. Allow yourself to feel rejected for 60 seconds. Then go to the next emotion that you wrote down in the A section. They're acknowledging, right? You listed all those emotions. You, you felt rejection. Okay, another one was you felt sadness. 60 to 90 seconds, allow yourself to feel sadness. 60 to 90 seconds, allow yourself to feel depressed. 60 to 90 seconds, allow yourself to feel disappointed. Whatever those emotions are, give yourself permission to feel. That allows the mind, heart, and body to start massaging those emotional knots. Because if you don't allow your mind, heart, and body to massage those emotional knots, they will become emotional charley horses. You will get emotionally hijacked and emotionally triggered, and then it's all south from there, right? That's when our emotions control us and take over and yeah. nothing and nothing productive happens. Then the E is express. There's a lot of research and science on the, the, the healing power of journaling, writing down mm-hmm. uh, um, how you're feeling, your thoughts, your emotions. Write a letter to God. Tell him exactly. It's not like you're shocking God with how you feel. He's the one who created emotion. Tell him how you feel. Look Again, look at David. Look at the Psalms. David was so transparent and vulnerable, which I thank God for Big David, because he's one of the best examples of vulnerability and transparency to God. And again, I love it because I like it's not again, nothing surprises God about our emotions and feelings. He gave it to us. That's expressed is write it down. And then D is discuss. That's the last one. So APED, acknowledge permission to feel, express and discuss, discuss with somebody that's safe. And how do you know someone's safe? If they're not comfortable with their own emotion, there's a really good chance they're not going to be comfortable with your emotion. So make right. sure it's somebody that's 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 going to love you, accept you, not judgmental, and be safe. That will allow you to share and be comfortable with your with your with your emotions. Yep, I love that. Uh, okay, so that was all really really good. Uh, I so a couple things I want to mention. Love the idea of a feelings wheel or emotion wheel. Like I'd never seen one of those until a couple of years ago. There's a I've, there's a website that I always use um, that I'll link to in the in the comments. You know where else I find that really valuable is marketing, right? Like if if I'm if I want to take somebody on a journey, I need to know where they're what they're feeling and be able to use that language, and that can really come in come in handy. Um, so I can tell, hey, this is how I want you to feel. But also for myself. So take myself on that journey as well, which is what you were describing. I think that's really cool. Um, so I've got that. And I love that whole that whole process. All right. Tell us. So you, you mentioned earlier about um, starting your podcast as a way to kind of take people on the journey with you. What, what results are you seeing with that? So, yeah, great, great question. So, I mean, people results. I don't care about your numbers. You know what I mean? I didn't realize that, that when when God would have me start this podcast, it would be the exact same month that COVID came out. And so in the two or three years that that have followed that, you know, COVID coming out, making its grand debut, mental and emotional health would never be talked about more than it has been in the last few years. Right. And so thankfully, it, the, the other dynamic that 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 has happened is that you know, in fact, when I was doing a rebrand, I asked my buddy, because we started out as EQ for entrepreneurs. And I asked my buddy, I said, man, a lot of the folks that we're working with are not entrepreneurs. How should I rebrand? His name's Alika, great guy, owns a business called Fanfare. And he said, Noble, he said, how many big bearded, tattooed, former army rangers are teaching emotional intelligence? And I said, probably not very many. And he said, dude, you're the gangster of EQ. He's like, no, dude, you're the EQ gangster. And so that's how, that's how that rebrand. So God has allowed me to be in a space and be very unique in this space. And, and because again, for many men, 
I mean, heck, I, I didn't feel safe talking about emotions or even feeling emotions for four decades. So I think the, the results that, I, that I've been able to see is as I am being vulnerable, because my podcast is very raw, it's very vulnerable. Hey, here's how I failed today. I yelled at my wife. These are the emotions I was feeling. I screwed up. This is how I apologized. I got angry with my teenage daughter and I, it was, you know, da, 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 it's all the different things. And so it's create it, it's making it's making emotions accessible to everybody. It's making emotions not as scary uh, to, you know, maybe to those people who originally yeah. have felt scared to, to feel or express emotion. And I'm not, you know, and the other thing too is the other reason it's accessible, I'm making emotions accessible because I'm not the PhD from Harvard in behavioral psychology, right? I'm not, I'm not the academic who, who I've got five books on, emotions and hey uh, eric you know let me turn to page 73 and tell you no this is <laughs> right i'm a, and i tell my corporate clients like don't think for a second that i've arrived like i'm working on this stuff every day in my own life i'm not you know oh right. you know i i taught at harvard for 15 years no like i'm i'm working on this stuff every day trying to get as emotionally healthy as i possibly can be yeah man i think emotional health is underrated uh, because it's under understood. So I really appreciate the work that you are doing to help us uh, figure that out. All right. The website is eqgangster.com. Uh, friends, you can go straight there. You can find the podcast or just you're in the podcast app, flip over there, search EQ gangster, and you can get, uh, get Noble's podcast. Noble, thanks for sharing some of your story. I really appreciate it. And you, you inspired me. Is there uh, anything you'd like us to leave us with? If you don't deal with your emotional issues, your friends, family, and colleagues will be forced to. Emotionally healthy people help heal other people emotionally. God created emotions. Why would we not try to be as emotionally healthy as possible? And ask God, pray in this journey of your own emotional health and emotional healing. Get God involved help God to increase your awareness of those areas of those emotional injuries, your emotional health and your emotional freedom is worth the pain and discomfort to, to go through and get through that other side of emotional health and emotional freedom. It's, it's life-changing. It is outside of my faith. It is the single greatest impact in my entire life for almost 50 years of being on the planet. Man, I love that. All right, friends, go check it out. Absolutely. It's worth every single moment that you spend on it. And I think it's part of your spiritual journey to know and love yourself because God knows and loves you. Oh, that's amazing. Noble, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate you, brother.